Zechariah chapter number 1. Zechariah chapter number 1. Approximately three months after Zechariah instructed God's people to give themselves wholly to the Lord, he received this mighty vision illuminating and illustrating Jerusalem's future. For the time frame, you can we can compare verse number 1 of chapter 1 and verse number 7 to, to, to tell that this was actually three months after uh, God's first instruction to him. Now, just how literally this promise should be taken is evident from God's first revelation concerning the future of the city of Jerusalem. This remnant of Jews <clears throat> had returned to Jerusalem they had started to rebuild the temple and had turned to the Lord again. And God's answer was not long in coming. In fact, he turned back to them and gave them a wonderful revelation about Jerusalem. Which, by the way, Jerusalem is called the city of the great king by our Savior. You know, he called that the city of the great king in Matthew 5.35. That was in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now the curse that they had been under until then would be removed and again they would be a blessing. Uh, look at the, hold your place there. Look at Zechariah 8 and verse number 13. <clears throat> it's going to come a time when they're going to be a be a blessing, it says there in Zechariah 8.13, It shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. Um, understand that a large number of Jews are going to turn to the Lord during the Great Tribulation. That will happen. Uh, according to Revelation 11.1, 1, they will also rebuild the temple and the Lord will return to his people uh, there during the uh, um, war, the Armageddon, battle of Armageddon. He will return and uh, he will establish his uh, kingship there in Jerusalem. Now God's promises will also become a perceivable blessing a comfort and a living hope for those of us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ when we dedicate ourselves completely to Him. And uh, we know James 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, and also to draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. So let's take a look at this vision of the man among the myrtle trees. Now we're going to pick up Verse number 7, and I want to read this, and then we'll come back and take a look at it, okay? Uh, verse number 7, down through verse number 17. <clears throat> verse number 7, Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat, in the year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edu, the, the prophet, saying, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse. And he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. And behind him were, were there red horses speckled and white. 
Then said I, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that I talked with, the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord hath sent to walk to and fro through the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth and behold, all the earth sitteth still and is at rest. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem? Notice in, in from verses 12 uh, through verse 17 in this section that we're reading, uh, Jerusalem is mentioned uh, five times, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, here in a minute, but uh, it says, uh, uh, How long will thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast had indignation these threescore and ten years? Talking about the seventy years they had been in captivity. And the Lord answered the, the angel that walked with me with good words and comfortable words, uh, so the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet uh, comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Uh, so we see Jerusalem mentioned in verse 12, also mentioned in verse 14, verse uh, 16, it's mentioned twice, and then in verse 17 there. Now, I want you to understand when prophecy comes, uh, there is no, there's normally um, one or more fulfillments. And there's a can be a local fulfillment, at the time that it was written, and this is the case that we see in what is written here, there was a fulfillment there in Zechariah's day to a certain extent, but there was also the vision of what God was going to do in the end when the time of the Gentiles is up. Because the time of the Gentiles is still in, and Jerusalem is still being trodden down. And we'll, I want us to take a look here at what we see, but understand that there's a, some of this applies both to what uh, what was in Zechariah's day and also uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. First of all, I want us to see a view of Jerusalem during the times of the Gentiles. That's what verse 8, uh, he says, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding 
upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom behind there were their red horses speckled and white. Now, uh, Zechariah saw a rider on a red horse who stopped in a, what's it called here is a bottom, which we would call it uh, maybe a ravine or a hollow. Or if you're really backwards, you call it a holler. Holler. Amen. And, uh, uh, but it's a low place. A low place. And uh, there were myrtle trees in this bottom. Uh, the myrtle tree symbolizes Jerusalem, among other trees. You know, but a myrtle tree is one of these symbols of Jerusalem, where many of them grow in the valleys in Jerusalem. Now, characterized by their dark green glossy leaves, they are adorned with flowers. And during Zechariah's time, they were often used as wedding decorations at the Feast of the Tabernacles. Uh, and they were used as wedding decorations and at the Feast of the Tabernacles to make booths. Um, you can see that mentioned in Nehemiah 8.15. Also, perfume was made from the myrtle trees, but it is symbolic of Jerusalem, uh, of Israel, uh, the tree's green leaves signifies Israel's hope and future. In that future, Jerusalem will not fade. It will bloom before the Lord forever. Now, where were these myrtles located? Okay. Well, the scripture tells us in a bottom, a shade, a, a hollow or a deep ravine. The, the bottom symbolizes Israel's position among the nations. I mean, at, and at this time, they were truly on the bottom. They were being trodden down by the other nations. Uh, and that still is true today. They, they are, the times of the Gentiles began with Jerusalem's first um, invasion and destruction by the Babylonians. That's when the time of the Gentiles began. And since that time, Jerusalem never really has been free of being trodden down by the Gentiles to this day. And it's going to continue until the Lord comes back. Amen. Um, we know that Jerusalem was ruled by the Romans when Jesus came the first time. Remember how that uh, they were looking for the Messiah to free them of Roman rule? Uh, that was one of the things that they uh, rejected you know, Jesus because he wouldn't assume the throne. Yeah, it wasn't time to assume the throne. He, he came to be the Savior the first time. He's going to come to assume the throne when he comes again uh, there at the end of the tribulation period. Now, uh, the, uh, this occupation by Gentiles will last until... Jesus returns as Israel's Messiah. Uh, in fact, Jesus mentioned that in Luke 21, verse 24. He says, And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When is that going to take place? At the end of the tribulation period. Okay? At the end of the tribulation period. Now, Jerusalem... Israel is, is like the myrtle tree, which grows modestly in a shady, <clears throat> low place. 
Accordingly, Israel and her people are largely despised by the Gentile nations. And if you can't see that, even today, uh, you got your eyes closed and your ears stopped up. Um, Jerusalem is contested and is hated. Other nations of the world would love nothing better than to both annihilate the Jews and take the promised land of God that God, that God gave to the Jews. And they want to take it for themselves. Um, now, some Gentiles are occupying land that actually belongs to the Jews. They talk about the Jews occupying territory. Uh, no, you get, they got that all wrong. They, the, some of those areas are being occupied by Gentiles that actually belong to Israel and will be returned to Israel when Jesus comes. And we see, so we see a view of Jerusalem during the times of the Gentiles that being in the bottom, okay, the, the low view of them. And we see uh, a view of the Gentiles' thoughts towards Jerusalem. The Gentiles' thoughts toward Jerusalem. While, while Israel, the myrtle, is despised by the Gentile nations, the Lord stands among the myrtles in the bottom. We, we just read that. He remains standing where others have passed by. Three times we see this, the reference to this. Verse number 8 says, He stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. That's, that's the... Uh, we talk about the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and he, we see him there standing uh, uh, among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. In verse number eight, in verse number ten, it says, "And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said." So he's, he's standing there, and then verse number eleven says, "And they answered." the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees. So three times we see him standing there among the myrtle. It's mentioned that he's standing among the myrtle trees. Now, the significance of this is while the nations of this world treat Israel thoughtlessly, the Lord remembers them and is with them. Uh, as messengers of the Lord of hosts, the angels mentioned in verse number 11, there's some angels that are mentioned there, uh, at, we're given a task of seeing how the nations would behave toward Jerusalem. Look at verse number 11 again. And they answered the, the angel, <coughs> excuse me, uh, they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth. And behold, all the earth sitteth still and is at rest. Now these are, are witnesses is what I believe. That God has angels that witness, uh, just not that God needs witnesses, but he's, he's got them. What did they see? They said, all the earth sitteth still and is at rest. Can you see that this is a picture of the world's indifference, thoughtlessness, and self-confidence? Uh, in other words, it's a presumptuous rest. Okay? Uh, nobody cared about Israel. Peace among the nations was more important than siding with Israel. You see that today? Oh, you know they want they, they want peace, it's unless the peace unless the the the, the war is going against Israel. They're okay with that. 
but when Israel's having you fight to defend, defend herself, um, that they they don't want that happening. Now there was no turning to the Lord and His Word, and there was no turning to help Israel by these Gentile nations. Uh, that was the way it was in Zechariah's day, and listen, that's the way it is largely today as well. The world remains relatively silent when terrorists murder Jews, both inside and outside of their homeland. Um, and there is little to no protest when the nations that surround Israel and their representatives pour out their tirades of hatred on the nation of Israel. By and large, hardly anyone lifts a finger in response to the many injustices directed toward Israel. Now, um, we saw just this past weekend, I think it was yesterday on the news, that there was protest in Jacksonville against the, against the Jews, against Israel. Protests trying to get our nation to turn against Israel, to withdraw uh, support uh, from Israel. Um, Pro-Palestinian, you know, the, the ones that uh, uh, started this conflict, by the way, the ones that uh, murdered over uh, 2,000 Jews in uh, the at attack back in October. But uh, we, we know that. By and large, though, hardly anyone lifts a finger in response to the many injustices that are directed toward the nation of Israel and Jews. But the same world condemns Israel every time she makes a move, even when she is defending herself. Um, how different were the Lord's thoughts? Um, as I said, Jerusalem is mentioned five times in this passage. Five is the number of grace. Five is the number of grace. God's feelings about the city are apparent. Those verses that we saw, verse 12, 14, 16, and 17, to have Jerusalem in them. Let's, let's think about it. Who among the powerful men of our world has like-minded thoughts as these concerning Jerusalem? Then it's just not there. This shows how far the nations live from the thoughts of the Lord God. But understand that the Lord is still on Jerusalem's side. Even if the nations are indifferent, even if the nations are thoughtless toward them, uh, the Lord is still on Jerusalem's side. There, there will be a day in the near future when the Lord turns to Jerusalem again in all His perfect grace. He will have mercy upon His city and His people. He will again be very jealous for them and he will comfort them and he will show that he has chosen them. Third thing I want us to see is what will be the final solution. What will be the final solution? Verse number 15. Look at verse 15. <clears throat> and this is the Lord speaking. He says, I, And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Now, the nations of the world have a view of a final solution. Okay? Their view is get rid of Israel, get rid of the Jews, particularly the Jews, 
turn, turn the, the nation into, uh, over to the Palestinians is what they would really love to do. But the nations are eagerly searching to bring about their own final solution to their Jewish problem. It's their Jewish problem. But the final solution that they are seeking for will never be allowed by God. God's answer to any such attempt will always be his divine wrath. Now, the Lord has his final solution. We know what the nations want the final solution to be, but the Lord has his final solution. The Lord's final solution will be Israel's final solution. Uh, liberation from the pressure of the Gentile nations. This final liberation will come when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation period to set up his kingdom. These visions are setting up for what we're going to see later on in the book, okay, and later on in the nation of Israel. Um, So his thoughts against all the nations, uh, against his people, will be realized, and the time of the Gentiles will will abruptly end there at the Battle of Armageddon. God's wrath will come upon the nations, um, and his fury will be poured out upon them. A, a good description of that would be uh, in Revelation 6. I know this is not the end, but but the description is is pertinent. In Revelation 6, verse 15 through 17, it says, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? Uh, and we know that uh, no one can stand against the Lord. Amen. Um, uh, he stands above all others. Now what about our stance as believers? What about our stance? We talked about how the Gentile nations view uh, God's view uh, of what's going on with Israel. What about our stance as believers? Believers must not be indifferent where Jerusalem is concerned. It's sad to say, but many professing believers come up on the wrong side of where Israel is concerned. You know, um, the, the land of Israel And the Jewish people must be dear to our hearts because they are dear to the Lord. Do you understand that? I hope that you do. They're dear to him, and they should be dear unto us. It's not by chance that Zechariah was told twice that he should proclaim the words of the Lord. He was told that in verse 14, and he was told that again in verse 17 to to proclaim the words of the Lord. Now, The Lord is angry with those who hate Jerusalem, but he will bless those who love her, according to what he told Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 3. Now, we have this on our prayer list uh, where we pray for um, Israel. We have the first part of the verse, Psalm 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Okay? The second part of that verse is they shall prosper that love thee. Okay? 
They shall prosper that love thee. Those that, that love Israel will prosper. Now, we see the person of the final solution there in verse number 8. And who is this mysterious man who stands among the myrtle trees? It is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, Israel's Messiah. He is concerned about Jerusalem, and he is also concerned about you and me. Amen? The, the man among the myrtle trees appears suddenly on a red horse during the time of the nations uh, in the middle of the night. That's the, that's the vision that was given. Israel had no king at this time. The Jews were busy rebuilding Jerusalem and were encountering, while they were trying to rebuild Jerusalem, uh, they were encountering violent resistance from their enemies. Uh, even back during the time Jerusalem was still being rebuilt and while Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the walls, remember Nehemiah rebuilding the walls, there was Arabs that were contesting the Jews' right to Jerusalem. In fact, Nehemiah 6, verse number 1 says, And it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian, there's an Arab right there, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and, and that there was no breach left therein. Uh, you know, they, they had a problem with that, okay? They, they came up with a problem. And it's no different today. Listen, the Arabs have been raging against the Jews ever since Jerusalem has been reclaimed by Israel. Ever since. Um, pressure from the Jews' enemies is ever increasing. Listen, uh, they have their title right here in this book to, to Jews. That, that land belongs to them. They were, they were there long before um, any of the, the present day uh, uh, occupations that took place. Any of the occupations since that time when, when God uh, allowed them to be taken out of the land uh, in Nebuchadnezzar's day and, and left the land there um, for 70 years without being uh, occupied by Israel. Uh, but pressure from the Jewish Jews enemies, we know, is ever increasing. And uh, their enemies are not only Arabs, but are also found in other nations around the world. Uh, you may have seen the, uh, the map of that area and the, all of the, all of the surrounding enemies that she has and this little, little bitty Israel and you, know, you got a little slice there and all of this pressure is coming from all of these nations round about against this one little piece of land it, it's a cup of trembling that we will see later for those nations and not only for them but we see this rising up now it, it's, and it's not just now but it has been for some time worldwide there's, there's antagonism against the Jews. And so their enemies are not only Arabs, don't, don't think of it that way, but they're also found in other nations around the world. And this is going to continue until the end of days when all the nations will gather against Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem will become that cup of trembling, according to Zechariah 12, verse 2. As she's already a cup of trembling, but she's really going to become a cup of trembling in those days. 
Now when the city of Jerusalem is at its lowest point ever, the Lord will take care of his people who are despised by the world. And the Lord's return will bring about Israel's salvation, light, and blessing. And restoration, we should say. Restoration. Why why does the Lord stand among the myrtles? It may be a prophetic reference to Isaiah 55, 13. Listen to Isaiah 55, 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Um, There will be a blessing instead of cursing. The Lord who bore a crown of thorns and over his head was written Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, and you find that in John 19, 19, will see that the curse is removed and that the myrtles grow in place of thorns. Amen. Um, he who bore the curse of the crown of thorns and his death stands among the myrtles because Jerusalem will flourish eternally before him and through him. Uh, so the Lord stands by Israel. And so if we stand with the Lord... We should stand as by Israel as well. When he comes at that time, he will wear a crown of ornaments, um, the Lord will, instead of a crown of thorns. Isaiah 61.10 talks about that second coming. And I will, I says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robes of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Uh, Let's return to the fact that the man uh, is standing among the myrtles in the bottom, according to verse 8. Where's the lowest point of the earth's service? The Dead Sea. But spiritually, it's Calvary. Amen? That was the lowest point. Yeah? The, The... Geographically, it is the Dead Sea. Spiritually, let's not forget, spiritually is Calvary. When the only perfect, sinless man was brutally killed, brutally treated, there, hung on a cross to die for our sins, the Lord descended from heaven to earth, to reconcile the world to God. Israel's future salvation also lies in Calvary. Uh, we know in Philippians 2 a says, He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Well, He did that not just for us, but He did that for the Jews too. All of mankind. He died for our sins. Messiah stands and the bottom among the myrtle trees to bring salvation to his people. And while the world stands against Israel, the Lord himself will stand by them. He went to that low place. Okay, He went to the lowest of the low place uh, in that place. And this man who appears on the scene is riding a red horse. Red, of course, is the color of his blood. 
the color of victory, but it also represents the color of the judge over all the nations. Now, here this man is called the angel of the Lord, and uh, verse number 11, and clearly it is the Lord himself who stands among the myrtle trees. The, the term angel of the Lord, as I said, often refers to the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ who is synonymous with our, our Savior, amen? He's, he's the Son of God, Jesus. According to Genesis 22, and verses 15 through 17, you you see the angel of the Lord there, and he is looked at as being co-equal with God. Um, the angel of the Lord is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. You could say that, amen, of the Old Testament. An angel spoke to Zechariah in verse number 9. Zechariah asked the angel about the horse's significance. And he, it says, Then said I, O, o my Lord, what are these? <coughs> and the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. <coughs> and the, the angel wanted to answer him, but apparently... He, he could not. He, he, he carried him. He could only point to the one with the answer, and that was the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the man that stood in the middle. Okay, uh, and the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, "These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro through the earth." There in verse ten. So Jesus is the only one who can answer the most important questions in life. You know, people come to me with questions all the time that I cannot answer. But I do know somebody who knows the answer. Amen? And the answer may not be revealed in, this, in, in our day and time. Uh, we may not have all of our questions answered. Um, in the, uh, well, we, may, we may not be satisfied with the answers that we get a lot of times. But Understand that Jesus is the only one who can answer the most important questions in life. And behind the man among the myrtles stands God's heavenly host. These angels on the red speckled and white horses show us that over the visible armies of this world is an invisible host of God, which is much mightier. And it reminds us of the passage of Scripture. It reminds me of 2 Kings 6, 16, that deals with Elisha and his servant. And they quote, I quote there, he says, And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. You ever feel like we're getting outnumbered these days? Huh? Yeah, we, we feel like we're shrinking into the minority as, as believers. At one time in our nation, um, we, even though a nation can't be Christian, it can be largely made up of Christians, and our nation was at one time largely made up of Christians. That is no longer the case. It just isn't. You look at the surveys, and we are we can in no way be called a Christian nation today. Um, and uh, But the, the Lord who once wept over Jerusalem, understand, will stand as a high priest and advocate for Jerusalem and Judah, <clears throat> and he prays for them 
there in verse 12 and 13. And the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on uh, Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast had indignation these three score and ten years? And the Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and comfortable words. Uh, now, if the Lord Himself intercedes for Jerusalem and Judah in such a moving way, should we love Israel any less? We shouldn't. Scripture does not reveal what the Father said to the Son, but He used kind and comforting words. We, we know that the Father always hears the Son. Amen? Jesus said that His Father, Heavenly Father always heard Him. John eleven forty two, and also we see him actually talking to Father God there in John chapter number seventeen, and doubtless he did so in this case as well. Um, the 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 timing of Jerusalem's final restoration is not mentioned uh, in anywhere in the Bible, other than that it will take place when Jesus returns. I can't give you a date. Nobody knows the day or the hour this is going to take place. Do I feel like we're getting close to uh, being raptured out of here and the seven-year tribulation period being instituted and being that much closer to the time that we're talking? Um, I, I believe we're getting close. Um, uh, could it be a few more years? I believe that also. I, I think that we as believers are going to see, uh, sadly, um, uh, much more trouble uh, on our end before the Lord comes back. I believe it's going to get the the, the, the thermostat's going to get turned up. Um, the heat's going to be on, and we're going to be praying for the Lord's air condition, Amen, uh, to to come to come take us out of this place and take us home to heaven. Um, although we're not told when it will take place, we're we are told how. And following his prayer and, and God's response, the Lord turned back to Zechariah and commanded him to cry aloud for Jerusalem, making it clear that he had been heard there in verses 14 through 17. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem. And for Zion with great jealousy. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased. And they helped forward the affliction. In other words, they aggravated it. Okay, um, They caused it to be more displeased. Verse 16, Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built. In it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet uh, comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. So it's with all divine authority that we can proclaim that the time is coming when the Lord will turn back to his people. Um, what's the message? 
that that all should hear. Well, let me let me summarize the seven statements concerning Jerusalem that are here. And in one concerning the uh, the heathen. Okay, uh, there in verse fourteen is the first statement: "I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy." This is the divine authority, God Himself. Um, God is with Jerusalem. Amen. Make no no mistake about it. Uh, Verse 16, where he says, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. Uh, That's the divine love. The divine love is of Jerusalem. God's divine love. He loves Jerusalem. Um, He said, in verse 16, the third statement, my house shall be built in it. Uh, the, the divine presence is to be back in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus is going to rule from. Amen. His, his, his presence will be there. Um, and then uh, a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. There in verse 16. And uh, the, the divine indivisibility remains in Jerusalem. It, they can try to say we're going to divide Israel up and just give it to other nations all they want to, but that's not in God's that's not in God's will. It belongs to the Jew. And if you want to read something about that, Jeremiah thirty-one, verse thirty-eight through forty. I'm not take time to do that tonight for sake of time. Uh, fifth thing. Verse 17, my cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. The divine blessing there is back in Jerusalem. We'll be back there. Um, Number six, and also found in verse 17, the Lord shall yet comfort Zion. And we see the divine kindness coming back in Jerusalem. And and here's number seven. And shall yet choose Jerusalem. That's also in verse seventeen. So the divine promise will remain in Jerusalem. And concerning the nations, uh, we read verse fifteen. I am very sore displeased with the heathen. The divine wrath will fall over those who hate Jerusalem. He will destroy with the brightness of his coming those that have hated the Jews. Amen. Um, so that's the man among the myrtle trees. Uh, the Lord's not through with Israel. Not in any way. Um, he was encouraging the completion of the temple here to restore the blessings um, and in that day. And of course, he was also pointing to the things that are down the road uh, that God has yet for his people. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for uh, your word. And Lord, I know we're in a difficult uh, area of scripture. Uh, it takes time to study these things out and, and to look at them. And, and Lord, we always need your guidance and help as we do these things. And Lord, help us to understand that, uh, um, Lord, uh, there's no doubt about where you stand with Israel. (laughs) 
we cannot look at this and, and in any way interpret that you uh, would ever um, uh, be done with Israel uh, because uh, they will be restored. And Lord, uh, help us to be on the right side of things for the sake of our country. Help our leaders to stay on the right side of things. Uh, the inclination lately has been to to try to influence Israel to to back off of what they're doing there, to, to try to rid themselves of a, um, the ones who uh, have treated them so unfairly. Lord, we pray for the sake of our nation and for, for us as the people of this nation that uh, our leaders will uh, back off of their requirements of Israel. And uh, Lord, uh, help us to have the proper love for uh, Israel as a nation and Jerusalem. And uh, Lord, help us to have the proper love for you. If we love you properly, we will love them properly. And of course, our love for you, um, Lord, uh, we, we can only love you because you first loved us. And we're so thankful for what Jesus did for us there in that real low bottom of Calvary, there among the myrtle trees, there in Jerusalem, um, Lord, uh, our Lord and Savior, bled and died on our behalf. and For that, we're eternally grateful. Help us to never forget that. And Lord, to, to look to you for direction in, in all of life. Uh, and Lord, we wait, await your coming, and we pray, even so come, Lord Jesus. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.